Okay, I'm pushing the button in three, two, one. Timer started. Uh, so, All right. Forging Worlds. Hi, welcome to Forging Worlds. I'm Alan. I'm Matt. And here we go. So we rolled on a random number generator that we're getting low fantasy. Matt, why don't we tell the good folks what low fantasy is? Low fantasy, real basic, real simple. It is a fantasy setting, a fantasy world um, where magic, the supernatural, all that is really de-emphasized. Um, usually it's just humans. Not a whole lot of other races show up, uh, non-human races sometimes, but they're very rare. Again, Anything magical, supernatural, things like that um, can happen and do happen, but it's super rare and super impactful when they do. Yep. Um, some examples of this uh, from television is I Dream of Jeannie. Um, I see the borrowers here, uh, Tuck Everlasting. Um, they're just basically kind of more realistic, more grounded fantasy worlds that are I hate to say more believable, but are kind of that element of, oh, this could possibly happen if I suspend my disbelief enough. Yeah, and, and some of those are a little bit urban fantasy, which is kind of its own whole other thing now. Yes. Um, but think about something like Song of Fire and Ice, Game of Thrones, if you've just seen it on TV, or um, the Shannara or Shannara series. Mm -hmm. Any of those, solid examples of low fantasy. So... Alan, do we want to start top down, bottom up? Hmm. Let's start with how detailed do we want to go? So are we talking like a Brandon Sanderson level Cosmere here? Or are we talking like just one planet? I'd say we start with just the one world, the one okay. planet. Uh so, we're on a planet. That's a thing. Hey, we got a planet. Um, normally with low fantasy, and I, I, I would like to keep up this tradition, um, typically the race is human. Um, yep. Again, it's all about kind of setting that the tone of realism at first before you break it. Yeah. So, you, you want the reader or the experiencer, I guess, to get connected with what you're creating before you utterly break the rules that they, as the person who is consuming this set for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, uh, let's keep to the, as much as possible on this, we're going to keep to the rules. Um, mm -hmm. So top down, bottom up. Do we want to start big, make our world or. Yeah, let's start big. Um, let's start with time period. Let's, Okay. Let's let's go there. Do we want uh, futuristic, modern, or medieval? Um, I'm a fan of medieval. I I like that's a just a bog standard fantasy setting for me. Castles, mm -hmm. the works. Yeah, I like uh, I'm I'm very comfortable with with medieval. Um, plus, it gives a lot of interesting options as far as the magic and how the the low supernatural stuff works um and it can give a form of rarity to it yeah um, i'm already kind of thinking witchcraft of a kind um but i'm trying not to build too much on it before we narrow it in some more yeah well let's um 
let's start. So we want to do like a typical medieval low fantasy world, uh, human populated. Cool. So do we want to make this a Pangea or multiple continents? I like multiple continents. Um, cool. Typically, at least for me, um, whenever I'm creating worlds, culture is one of my favorite things to create. Mm-hmm. Um, I love getting to play around with different cultures, different way people experience very similar things. So if we did multi-continent, then we could do, you know, very easily do geographical culture. Um, why certain people do the way they do is because they don't interact. And so they react to the same things in different ways. And one of the main reasons that I kind of bring that up is that to me, if we are going to do kind of a low magic or a low fantasy type situation, it helps if, or I think it would be interesting rather if like, one continent feared it and another continent revered it. So multiculturalism, uh, I like it because it can lead to the different cultures reacting to the magic differently. So you could have one group that completely distrusts magic, another group that, you know, totally reveres magic users, and maybe another group that just sees it as superstitious nonsense that, you know, it doesn't actually exist. Um, So there's a lot you can play with there. Yeah, absolutely. And and I like that because even if we're just choosing medieval fantasy as our default, um, and maybe that's just, that might even just end up being the general technology level. That doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be doing European medieval fantasy. That Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, so when you, when you hear us say medieval fantasy, um, take that as like a tech level, like a population technology level, uh, not necessarily just European fantasy, although that will likely be involved. Um, Okay, so we have more than one continent. Do we want to do how many? What do we want as far as like bigger continents? Like Eurasian, European, Asian continents, something that size. How many do we want that? I just had a thought. And Uh you can completely strike this down if you want to. What if it was just two major continents divided by a body of water? And so basically you have like the northern tribe, which is, or not tribe necessarily, but you have like the north, which is cold and frigid, but kind of, there's a line essentially where it goes into more green. And then you have the south, which is basically the two continents are at the poles. And maybe there hasn't really been contact between the peoples. And that's what the story is about is two people, one from the North, one from the South or East or West, or however we want to orient it, meeting each other for the first time. Okay. Uh, Yeah. um, That sounds great. I like that a lot. Let's do that. All right. So two big continents. That is what we're going with. Okay. All right. Um, just just to give us some more room to play with, kind of right off the bat, um, do we want to do any sort of like sunken, like island chain or anything like that, like a former continent? Ooh, yes, absolutely. Because I I think it would be very interesting if it's like oh you know 
we thought we were the only people. Oh, well, we thought we were the only people. And then have a third nation be aware of the other nations and just be like, ha, 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 children. So what I'm picturing... Kind of is, an Atlantis, I'm, almost. Kind of. What what I'm picturing is... Um, so, typical globe, north-south mm-hmm. hemisphere, east-west hemisphere. Mm-hmm. I'm picturing, like, the two continents we've talked about being primarily on, like, the east hemisphere divided north and south. And then on the western hemisphere, basically, like, the sunken... A sunken continent, so that it's just, like, an island chain. Like, okay. bigger... Ranging up to maybe one Australia-sized island. Okay. And then, so that it, like, kind of curves around both north and south. So that would give, like, access points to the other two big, to the two big continents. Okay. If that makes sense. So something kind of like that. And I can post this on Twitter for whenever we actually kind of post it. Yeah, with uh, with islands coming up from that, like a almost like a crescent moon shape, uh, coming mm-hmm. up from the Australia island. Yeah, and I'm about to sketch something very similar to that too. Okay, cool. But yeah, I think that could be very interesting. So, okay, um, let's let's start in on one of these two major continents first. Do we want to do north or south? Let's do south first. All right. So, do we want to do, like, uh, basic geography, get some of that laid out of here, or do we want to do the people? Let's do some geography. Um, I kind of want to play with expectation. Maybe the south is cold and the north is warm? That would be a nice little twist, yeah. Um, so let's say that in the south there are there's tundra. Slash okay, so taiga. this is gonna be this is gonna be almost like touching the pole, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So almost like Canada's position, almost. Yes. Okay. Do we want then to pull the northern continent down closer to the equator? Yeah. To make it I more tropical. That could be interesting. And then just have like a big northern ice cap. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Or do we want the southern continent to include the southern ice cap? I think I want it to include the southern ice cap. Okay. Um, then as far as like the uh, islands on the third continent would go, maybe we won't have as many pointing down south. We'll have most of that continent be kind of hanging up in the northern side of things comparatively yeah okay so So maybe the southern continent is larger than the northern continent just by dint of it including the ice cap definitely but yeah like for useful arable land probably less of it probably less is livable yeah Yeah. so tundra taiga and then arctic desert i think there's probably like one one bigger peninsula that comes out that would be um That would be like more, more, uh, yeah, more like piney woods kind of. Um, okay, I'm thinking like Colorado mountains kind of thing. Okay, so the, that's probably where like the biggest civilization po- pocket is. Yep, in the north or in the south. Um, is that kind of 
peninsula that stretches closer to the equator? I think a little bit, and it might not be like a, maybe not so much like a uh, Florida peninsula, but something a little thicker than that. But the planet is kind of big in such a way that standing on the coastlines of the different continents, you cannot see the other continents. Oh, absolutely. Which is why they thought they were alone. Yeah. And yes, they developed, you know, boats and things because there's going to be rivers and lakes and, you know, things within each of these continents, but they never really thought to go out into the oceans because all of the people seem to be in one place. Or we could even do something like, we could even do something where the oceans are just incredibly violent. Ooh. What if we did... No, that's breaking the world too much. If this was high fantasy, we could do that, but we can't. Um, so, no. Oceans need to be water. <laughs> it needs yeah, to be, like, uh, actual water. water. But... Um, but it could be just horrible, violent storms? It could be a remnant of whatever sunk the third continent. Ooh, okay. Like... In low fantasy, you are allowed to have, like, mythology, so who knows what actually did it, but it could definitely be that someone, they think that the gods got real angry, and there was a massive flash of light off in the horizon one day, and suddenly the oceans are basically at typhoon season all year round. All year round, and it makes living on the coast impossible. Yeah, everyone's inland. There's probably real sheer cliffs now. Mm-hmm. Everything else has been washed away. I like that a lot. So something needs... We'll get to this later when we get down to the history, but something needs to have happened to calm down the seas a little bit to allow this trade to happen. Well, maybe not even that. Maybe you have... We could do this kind of as a stranger in a strange land type situation. Maybe you have an idiot that's just like, you know, oh, no, I don't believe, you know, yes, the storms are rough. Yes, this is crazy, but I'm going to do it. And they wash up on the northern shore if they're a southerner or the southern shore if they're a northerner um, and kind of go from there. It depends. Yeah, it depends on kind of what kind of story we're trying to tell. Like, if for for building a setting, I guess we need to keep this just like something has now changed in some way. So mm-hmm. maybe someone developed a method of flight that yeah, as an because that's answer. that's immediately what I was thinking was that 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 whoever this intrepid adventurer is built a flying machine. And they all, all, like, all the people are like, oh, no, you're crazy. And they're like, no, no, I'm not crazy. Watch. And they fly, and they get caught in the storm, and... Yeah. All right. Okay, so, southern continent, we have mostly, mostly it's the southern ice cap. Mm -hmm. uh, With some tundra and taiga right next to that, and Arctic desert. And some evergreen forest. Everstream forest down along the peninsula and probably closer to the sea. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, is there any large body of water down on this that would be real noticeable? Is something that would need to be? I would say there's a frozen lake. Okay. Maybe. And maybe, or no, a frozen river. So, like, the top of the river is frozen, but it still flows underneath. Okay, yeah. 
So would that and, be like there in Mississippi? Yeah, it'd be like there in Mississippi. It it, it it kind of is the border of habitable and inhabitable land. Okay, so does that run north-south or east-west? Mm, diagonally? So, okay. Um, hold on. I'm going to see if I can restart my camera real fast. Okay. Because I have sketched out a map and I want to make sure that we're both... On board. On the same page. And yeah, my map is in... sad. So I hope yours is better than mine. Mine is very sketchy. And push the button. This is what I've got so far. Okay. I am... Can you see Oh, that? yours is much better than mine, yes. Okay. So Southern Continent with the... Uh-huh. I'm seeing the river kind of cutting from the tip of the this down that way. Yes. Mm-hmm. I okay. can see that easily. Okay, so that's t- that's running from kind of the tip of the um, of the peninsula. That's probably like the the forest down mm-hmm. across the biggest body of the continent down to the ice shelf. Is yes. how I'm picturing it. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. And listener, we will post some version of these images for y'all to peruse later, including uh, my bad one. Yes, all <laughs> we're gonna y'all will have heard this in the zero episode. Uh, there are plans, so. We'll cool. just like so, scan our notes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So big kind of frozen river. I like that. Okay. Anything else that we need geographically on the southern continent? Let's talk flora and fauna. Okay. I think it would be cool if um, there was a lot of Arctic sea life. So I'm thinking walrus, seal. Um, I'm thinking uh, uh, whale, I'm thinking uh, polar bears, that kind of stuff. Elk, moose. Elk, moose, but have like the seals and the walruses function like... like Cattle? Cattle almost, yeah. So domesticated. Have walrus maybe be like domestic cattle, have seals almost be like pets? I love that. I, did, I think we need to include some some sort of mountain goat just because yes, those are absolutely. incredibly useful. But yes. And big um, cats. Um, there are a lot of uh, cold weather big cats that we could include too. Oh yeah, snow leopards and mm-hmm. all sorts of things like that. Yeah. That is that is an absolute snap include. I love all that. The um, And wolves, but have wolves be like big scary things because the wolves are always trying to eat their pet seals. Um, because they didn't domesticate dogs, they domesticated seals. Yeah. Because they have to live near the water, but they can't go into the ocean, so the seals, like, help them fish in the river and stuff. Well, and I I imagine, like, the biggest settlements are probably on, near the coastline. Mm -hmm. Not, not on it. They're not up against that, those cliffs, but they're near there, but also along the river, probably the biggest, probably the biggest settlement is going to be up at the Delta where the frozen river empties out into the ocean. Yep. Um, That's probably where the big kingdom is. Yeah. I think, I think for the, the pine trees, I kind of want to do like pine trees that are scaled to Sequoia size. Mm-hmm. Because that also gives us the latitude that, well, if the ocean is this dangerous, the sea life would, the, plant life probably would have adapted and would have grown bigger and higher to survive Yep. if they had been underwater. 
And so people would probably start moving up into it. So we probably have a bunch of Ewok villages going on. I completely agree. Um, I'm. You also make me immediately think of uh, mangrove trees. Oh, yeah. Um, because they learn to live in the salt water. So supersized mango, mangroves? Mangroves. I'm trying to see if they, if it's just tropical. I'm, I know that it's mostly tropical, but we could easily have a fantasy variant oh, of a mangrove there's... that they grew out of like the sides of the cliffs and things. Um, Do we want to say... Maybe if... not the best residency type trees, but they definitely serve function. Maybe they're a water purifier. Do do we want to do do we want to do mangroves up in the northern continent though? Because we know they're going to have a similar oceanic condition. Oh no, that's right. We could do those in the southern or in the northern continent. So huge. But we could have sunken pines. We could have a sunken forest just off of one of the coasts. Oh, I really like that idea, and have it be um have it be like a weird juxtaposition of all of these dead ancient trees, and then this beautiful tropical sea life that yeah. has adapted to all of the craziness. So it's beautiful and vibrant and colorful, and it's just in the skeletal remains of a forest. So on the map, I'm thinking kind of down here in this bay. Yes. On the southern continent. That bay, I feel like... Yes, and I feel like that bay is where the big city is. That's where the kingdom is, is on that bay. Absolutely. Let's think of a name for that bay. Bay... Oh. What was the forest called before? Because that that name would have survived. Maybe call it the Bay of Ghosts? Bay of Ghosts. Ooh. I like that because there's probably a town down at the bottom of that as well. Exactly. Or the old ruins of the kingdom are down there. Mm-hmm. And it's supposedly haunted and like it's one of those childhood tales to tell your children to get them to eat their vegetables that if you don't do good, then the ghost queen or the ghost king will come and punish you or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Um, what other defining things I kind of want, I kind of want there to be like an outcrop further down, more over on the Western side, like a smaller area, um, just kind of that. Okay. Um, that's probably just like its own isolated tribe, maybe it, or kingdom or something. Like it might have a smaller version of the river on it and things like that, so... Very similar, maybe just scaled back and very isolated. Like, to get there, you have to cross the whole Arctic Desert, which is, I I imagine there's a few people that have, like, big sleds that make that trip, Mm -hmm. but it's not super... And that's what they can use walrus for, is they have domestic walrus that pull them across that desert. It's exactly what I thought. I love it. Yes. So we have a secluded group on this peninsula. Yep. Okay. Um, let's let's jump over then. Uh, well, do we need anything else on the southern continent? 
Culturally speaking, and this is very general, are they our magic folk or are the northern people our magic folk? Which um, one believes in magic? Ooh, I feel like the... Ooh, I think they might both to some degree. Um, maybe just two different traditions of it. Like, Okay. This, this one, one of them I feel like is probably more shamanistic and one of them might be like the witch out in the grove. Okay. If that makes sense. So let's say that the South is shamanistic. I like that. And the North is witch. I also had another thing that I, that just popped into my head. I want the North to be very colorful. Like, because normally when you think ice and snow, you just think brown or blue or white. But I want these people to bleed color. Like the Bay of Ghosts is filled with these tropical, like these beautiful, vibrant plants that on, you know, quiet days that you can actually like look down and seed them. And the quiet days are few and far between. So they have color on their homes, in their clothing to remind them of the beauty that's in the Bay of Ghosts. Yeah. I like that. Yes. Um, so very, very colorful. Um, and it might even just be like a cultural rebellion, like a cultural pushback against the landscape they're set in. Exactly. Okay. But like um, all of their buildings are brightly painted. Um, they're, they, try they really try to cultivate flowers um and they have like made some cold weather flower variants essentially like they've learned to breed flowers to bloom in the weather okay yeah all right culturally shamanistic love colors and flower cultivation i like that i like especially if like right up on the edge of the peninsula there's some good agrarian communities Mm-hmm. Well, and again, these are things just popping into my head, and please feel free to say no. Um, the queen is called the queen of lilies, and lilies because they are so fragile, but that royal family was able to cultivate them. Okay. And make something so fragile live. So maybe, or maybe not even that, but that is the allegory that they use to describe their royalty because they want something beautiful and, you know, out, like outwardly seemingly fragile, but very strong, very hardy. But, you know, lilies are also symbols of both purity and death. Yeah. So... Like yeah. the lily being the royal flower. It doesn't necessarily have to be a queen or a king or whatever. But, you know, the lily being the symbol of that house or of royalty in that kingdom. Because it's something that shouldn't survive, but does. And so it's kind of the symbol of them. No, yeah, I like that a lot. Um, if we're going to make if we're gonna make the southern continent our monarchy... Then when we get around to it, I kind of want the northern continent then to be more tribal. Okay. Um, just because that's also, I feel like, a nice comparison. Yeah, it's a very nice comparison. Okay, so are they the only kingdom, this one there just off the Bay of Ghosts, or maybe that secondary outcropping is I think is the secondary outcropping is also 
a kingdom, but they are not at war. Okay. Um, and in fact, they are very, they're not related or anything. And maybe that's a law that the two ruling people cannot be related by blood. Okay. To make impartiality so that people have a choice. And, you know, if you disagree with this one ruler, okay, go over to this other city, no harm, no foul, but hey, good luck surviving the desert. Well, yeah, I mean, you can just license, you can just buy a trip on one of the, on one of if the ice rich. On the one of the walrus trains. If you're rich. Okay, um, so let's name our two kingdoms then. What is, what is the kingdom there on the Bay of Ghosts? Which is definitely the bigger of the two. Or, or even, like, what's that main city's name? Lilium. Latin Lilium? for Lily. Okay. How do you spell that? L-I-L-L-I-U-M. Yes, I should have known that. Okay. Or no, L-I-L-I-U-M. Sorry, one L. All right. And so what is, is there... Is it just the kingdom of Lilium? I think so. Um, and maybe the royal, maybe Lilium. I kind of want it to be almost a democratic monarchy. Okay, where the where the king or queen is now just kind of a figurehead, or elected. Like, they're still the king, or they're still the queen, but they are elected by the people. And when they are elected, they take the family name of Lilium. Okay, and do they hold that position then for life? I don't know. Because I, I want there to be, like, a king and queen, and then maybe a senate? I mean, the the two are not mutually exclusive. Right. If If we're going to have an elected ruler, though... I kind of would like it. I would kind of prefer it if the position was a lifetime. Okay, lifetime. Appointment. Okay, so are they still considered a kingdom then? I would say yes. Okay. Well, like, do because they, they consider have... themselves still the kingdom of Lilium? Yes, because okay. like I said, or uh, I think it would be interesting if, Part of becoming the king or the queen is to give up your family name and take on the name Lilium. Okay. And that is, you know, a symbol that now the city is your family. You are no longer bound to who you were. You now serve the entire city and the entire kingdom. The Senate is there to keep you in check, but you were voted on for a reason. Like, we can set up you know, the different qualifications that a person needs to meet in order to become a monarch. But, you know, that's why the Senate's there. The Senate rotates more. Mm -hmm. And there are provinces, maybe, around the kingdom, and each province has a senator. Okay. Yeah, I like that. That that makes a lot of sense. But we can, we can sort all that out down the line once we get the large strokes mm -hmm. put in here. Okay, so the monarch is elected for life, takes the name, takes the family name Lilium. For now, let's just say that there is a senate as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, 
the other nation, the one on the outcropping over to the west. What? Okay. Um, what's kind of the defining geography of that outcrop? I'm seeing much more mountainous. Me too. Terrain. I was thinking much more rough and. So could cliffy. this could this be our like a city that's carved out of a mountain? Ooh, yeah. Okay, so they're gonna have or just... maybe even have it be in or you may have meant this, but have it be the mountain interior, so they live inside the mountain to avoid the storms. I would have, I would imagine, yeah. It's it's probably like out almost on the water. Mm-hmm. This and this is probably like a um, was it Mount Rainier that goes almost mm-hmm. directly from sea level straight up. Yep. I'm picturing that kind of situation. Um, and in this case, like the the king definitely lives at the very top. Mm-hmm. And this is probably a very strictly caste based society. What if we flip that though? What if the king lives at the very bottom because it has a it's the most structurally sound point. Um, it's the most protected point, but B, it's representative of him bearing the weight of responsibility for the kingdom by having the entire mountain sitting on his head. I don't, or do you want this one to be not so egalitarian? This one's definitely not egalitarian. Like This okay. is like strict caste system, the works. Okay. Um, so I'm picturing, let's see, they live in a mountain, strict caste system, not egalitarian, probably pretty despotic. All things considered. Well, no, okay. not despotic. Maybe a light despotism. Well, and the thing is, we have to bear in mind that whatever we choose for this, Lilium has to agree with in some way, shape, or form in order to keep relations open. Then I would say uh, enlightened despotism, where the guy in charge, or the person in charge, whoever that is, uh, clawed their way to the top and just asserted enough authority to get what was probably a very chaos-ridden kingdom back in line there you go it would be really interesting to see have the leader be like okay yes i'm the leader but we have to you know we have to think of the people we have to think of all of these different things and that's a really interesting turn because that can give a lot of history to this city without ever actually having to tell what that history is yeah no, I like that a lot, and just I'm very much of the opinion of uh, show don't tell. Yes, hundred uh, percent, and and having that kind of uh, having that kind of just enforced control would would because when if say this was an RPG game and someone shows up there, well, there's probably going to be a lot of rules to get into the city right at the gate. It's like okay. Yeah. You're not allowed to carry those weapons out. You can store them. We have There's a merchant that lives right down this tunnel before you get into the city proper. You can store your weapons there. He's very trustworthy. And then you come into the city with just, you know, basically sidearms or whatever you can hold on your person. Mm-hmm. And then you have to prove that you're able, that you're eligible to get up to the higher levels. Mm. Like, if you want to see the king, you'd best either have been summoned or be really important Mm -hmm. or be prepared to prove your worth and not necessarily in a physical sense but it could also be you know a test of wills uh uh it could be you know intellectually it could be lots of different 
they have lots of different ways that you can prove yourself to literally move up in the world. Yeah. Like, it is a strict caste system, but it's not a... Rigid caste system. Yeah, it's strict in that if you don't, if you don't partake those trials or you don't meet the requirements, you don't move up or you don't have those privileges, but you can Mm -hmm. certainly, but there's the opportunity for you to do it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and maybe that's new. Maybe the opportunities is something new under this new leader. That's what, that's what I'm thinking is that he imposed the monarch imposed all these things on the people and it's him. And probably like, the handful of nobles that survived that were on his side that are enforcing this and it's working somehow. Mm -hmm. Like no one has destabilized it yet. Um, But that means there has to be a resistance group. Eventually. Yeah. Or a very small one. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh, I have a thought on that, but we'll come back to it. Um, Kingdom. What's the name? Vowry. V O U R I. Okay. It's a corruption of the Finnish for mountain, according to Google Translate. So, very cool. That would have that was like V U O R I, but Vauri sounds pretty nice. Okay, so enlightened despotism and caste system. All right, so we have some good variants there in the south. Mm-hmm. And the main city there, again, we'll just call it Valerie. Let's talk a little bit about biology. What are these people... Like, they're human, obviously. Uh-huh. I kind of want there to be physical difference between the northern and the southern continent and the western isles or eastern isles. Um, like, height, maybe. Maybe not skin color, because I, I don't like that at all. But maybe height? Okay, so who's going to be the taller? I would say that the north would be taller than the south, especially mountain dwellers. Mountain dwellers are the shortest, in kind of a nod to dwarf to dwarves, but not actually dwarfs. We're talking like maybe maybe a grown man is 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five, whereas in Lilium, a grown man would be maybe 5'9", five, 5'10", five, but in the northern continent, people hit six foot, relatively commonly okay i like that um yeah no i like that a lot uh we will probably need just because that's it's what happens there will probably be um hair there will be you know skin tone differences but whatever yes um but also hair color yeah um you know in the south there there are hair is darker um in the north it's lighter um because they spend more time in the sun their hair like it doesn't hold heat as much yeah um whereas like i also think that the south they the men are have more body hair okay um their muscles are like thicker and just kind of stouter most likely yeah all right, so let's um, let's stop there for the southern continent for right now, um, and let's talk about the northern continent for a little bit, just real briefly. Okay. Um, so what we we already kind of hinted at um, 
magic is going to be more witch witchcraft based and kind of like i'm picturing like one set piece of picturing that we can plug in later is like a witch hut that's made out of like three or four mangrove trees that yeah. are kind of grown together so that that kind of the witch in the swamp that scene from the end of the second uh pirates of the caribbean movie where they're going down that mm-hmm. river and there's the witch hut um so and we already kind of said probably predominantly tribal mm-hmm. culturally what else so what uh what am i trying to say that's what we have established for the north so far so what are we going to start with let's uh what kind of defining geography is there for this place i i am thinking that these folks are more hunter gathery than the south is so maybe they have more quote-unquote traditional wildlife deer um you know horses uh maybe the people in the south don't even have horses um they they use moose and elk and things like that um but they have deer and horses and you know bobcats and just kind of the more i guess traditional biosphere type stuff um and as far as their biospheres are concerned i'm thinking tropical to subtropical what i'm what i'm kind of picturing here from from that from from uh hunter gatherer is almost like so the continent itself has the the sheer walls the sheer cliffs that protect it from the sea so what if in whereas in the southern continent i'm picturing it as like sheer cliffs and then you're at a plateau on the top Mm-hmm. So most of it is all the height of the cliffs. What if the northern continent is more of a caldera? Oh, okay. So where it's it's a mountain ring, and you get down in, and it's grasslands, like the Midwest. Okay, cool. For most of it, and I kind of want a desert on there as well. Okay. So maybe like another area that's been mountained off to keep rainfall from getting to it as much. So probably the very interior is a desert. Core. Yeah, the middle, the like dead center of the continent. Yeah, and, and it can be called the dead zone or no man's land or whatever because no one goes there because no one can live there. I'm also imagining there's probably a tribe in there though. Absolutely, but people don't know that, and people are like, "Oh, if you go there, you die," because no one ever returns. Yeah, they're yeah. I picture them as being that like super secretive. They probably have something of from before whatever the big. They're probably something very ancient they're protecting in there. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so desert and then grasslands. I'm also picturing. I'm going to show you the map again. Up here on the north, so I kind of marked that off as the desert right mm-hmm. in the middle. If you see right over here, there's kind of this little, little protrusion. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing that as probably the closest thing to like a plateau so just like a solid wall of mountain that kind of juts out mm-hmm. into the water so that's like above so that's above the rest of the the continent kind of like that's probably the mm-hmm. highest point is that plateau. do do we want one of these civilizations to be more technologically advanced than the other I feel like just by benefit of one being tribal and one being kingdom, that the South is going to be more technologically advanced, but I don't know how much disparity we want in there. 
I would almost say not that much. Maybe Bronze versus Iron Age type thing. Um, But I would like, or I think would be interesting, if the Islanders are the most advanced. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, they're they're probably up closer to proper medieval. Just in strict technology levels. Um, And they may have even, you know, discovered some steamworks or something. Yeah. Um, Okay, so... What, uh, that's kind of our geography of that a bit. Um, major bodies of water on that? I want there to be a lake, and I want, I think it would be cool to have one of the tribes, like, live on islands in the lake. Okay. And maybe, like, the land masses under the water, like, if you were to look at it from the top, you just see this big island or not even a big island, you see this big lake and an island in the middle of it, but where they actually live is under the island and in, like, the water area, essentially. Do you get what I'm saying? Like in tunnels or live in, like, underwater habitats? Like in tunnels slash underwater habitats. So when you said that when they live in the water area, what I thought about was almost like a... um, I'm I'm liking this now. uh, Like a... So you know those weaver birds that make, like, the basket nests? Yes. Mm-hmm. Take those, slap pitch on them, and put sink them down. Them. Yeah. yeah. So that And they they're... did that to, like, you know, basically be like, oh, we're, we're getting away from other tribes, or we're getting away from predators, and it just expanded. So this lake is a city. Yeah, it's, it's a massive, probably one of the biggest tribes, and maybe what it is is almost like a Tenochtitlan. I just butchered that pronunciation. Um... The was ancient fort Tenochtitlan, the ancient fort under Mexico City. It's I think it's I know what you're su- talking about. It's on Mexico City. It was ancient, like Aztec yeah. or Maya. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not as up on my Central American history as I should be. It's really it's okay stuff, and I haven't dug in. Um, but that that city was floating platforms built on a lake. So I'm thinking something like that, but also under. Yeah. So like there could be some structures up top, but like from an exterior view, it's just like, oh, those are just like platforms. Like, why are those even there? But they use them for fishing or they use them for gathering things. And maybe they've even found a way to because, I mean, this is low fantasy. This could be an ancient technology to filter oxygen out of the water. So that that's how they kind of live under the water, and that's how their city is oxygenated. Well, and we could even it's just, just say like a that symbiosis they found... with a plant or something like plant. Yeah, Instead found... of pitch, it's surrounded by a plant that has a symbiotic relationship. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, kind of like a long, long, flat kelp or something that mm-hmm. grows around the baskets. Um, do we want to put, where do we want to put that, uh, north, south, east, west, if you have any preference? I don't have a preference. Okay, um, I'm going to put them kind of, I'll, I'll put the lake on here real fast and I'll show you. Uh, I'm going to give the lake kind of a bit of real estate, a good bit of real estate, and I imagine they live in one part of it. Um. Yeah. Right over here. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They probably just live in that big bulb area in the middle. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And the rest of it, they purposefully didn't cultivate uh, simply. Well, they did cultivate it, but it's for um, like agriculture and they domesticated fish. And so they breed and domesticate certain fish that they eat um, the same way that, you know, we eat beef. They do that with fish. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And they probably have like trading parties that will go meet up with other tribes when Mm -hmm. they come through and be like, we'll trade you this fish for produce and things that we can't as easily get. Because I really like, I don't necessarily want the tribes to be super peaceful all the time, Mm -hmm. but I also don't want them to just be like immediately at, at war, at war. Like Like there's tension. There's probably like cultural tension, things like that. And then just sometimes some of these just want land. Like, the lake people are probably friends with everybody because they're not taking up valuable land. Mm-hmm. And for all these people, know it's usually just, it's a very small group that lives on this weird island out in the middle of this lake, and we don't want that place anyways. And they don't realize how, and I like the idea that they don't realize exactly how big that tribe actually is. Um, and I, I see that tribe as, like, paler because they live basically... Not in darkness, but mostly underwater. Like, they don't get a lot of sunlight, but at the same time, they're very strong because they spend a lot of time in the water. Yeah. And, like, there could be, like, almost bathospheres, like, points where they can exit, but the way they've got it set up is because of uh, physics and the way air works. There are these exit docks, essentially, that they can go in, fill up with water, and then drain the water so that they can exit. Yeah. It's definitely, like, there could be a whole system of stuff. People that have adapted that well will find other ways to do it. Like, they probably even have, like, sealed, algae-covered mm-hmm. reed baskets that can hold in oxygen and, like, make one of those bubbles. Mm-hmm. They could probably walk around on the lake floor, the lake bed. Yep, and collect. We can put in some really neat fauna um, on the lake floor that they collect and eat or sell to other tribes or, you know, maybe there's precious material down there. I don't, I feel, I feel like precious material would be a little bit harder. Um, but definitely like plants, plants and animals for sure that are just really exotic and maybe have some, maybe there, these people are one of the few that have really embraced their witch their local Mm. witchery tradition and have made it almost to the point of shamanism. Absolutely. And I like the idea that, especially with these people that because this is low fantasy, the reader can't necessarily divide between what is magic and what could actually happen. So like they have plants that induce visions. Okay, cool. Are those actual visions or are those hallucinogens? You know, they have, um, they have, sea slugs that if you lick them then you you know your heart races or maybe if you apply it to a wound it stops the bleeding is that magic or is that a coagulant you know that kind of stuff and and the witch the witches would definitely just be like i worked magic on this because they're not just gonna tell a layperson well, you take these four plants, put them together with a little bit of water, steam it for 20 minutes, you're good to go. Because and maybe even the witch is the leader of the lake tribe. I think I think that's probably there's probably a strong bid for that. Or at the maybe, very least, the right hand to the leader. Yeah. 
Um, but we'll get we can get into all the cultural minutia on that um, mm-hmm. because we are starting to run down the clock on this. So yeah, one, noticed. <laughs> one big question before we before we get up to the buzzer. Um, so we have the Lake Tribe. We have an implied tribe in the desert. Mm-hmm. How many more tribes? Because I want to make like a distinct number that are kind of out and about that we can focus on, and they can have subdivisions all over the place, but like people groups i want at least two more do you think four is enough or i was i was leaning to five um and that's simply because the desert was secret so it's four as far as everyone knows except the desert tribe is their own little hidden thing thing yeah i want there to be an oasis in that desert like that's how they survive is the middle of that desert as a whole as an oasis oh absolutely yeah Okay, um, then, so we have five tribes. We've done quite a bit of work on the lake tribe, so let's name the lake tribe. Are they just... Oh, boy. To the outsiders, they're probably just the lake people. The lake people, yeah. So what do they call themselves? Ooh. 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 Idea. I was about to say, it sounds like you got an idea. Go for it. I do. Um... Oh, oh gosh. Um, so I just the Marinette people. The Marinette people. Um, okay. it's uh, again a corruption of Finnish. It's from mermaid. Ooh, okay. But what I'm thinking, Marinette. So M A R I. They have domestic manatees, and you can't tell me no. <laughs> yes, Alan. They have domestic manatees. Just because, guys, y'all can't see the look on his face, but Alan just got the <laughs> happiest I have seen him in a while. Um, okay, so lake people are the men. And there have to be rivers that connect to this lake. Like, it can't oh, just be... Yeah. Okay. And I know that we're running out of time, so... What else we gotta uh, cover? So, let's... um, Let's identify mm, let's start talking about the the desert people since we've got them already okay so they live in an oasis in the desert they're protecting something because they're super secretive right so um broad strokes real fast what are they protecting history are they the are they scholars? They're scholars. They are the keeper. They call themselves the secret keepers, um, but they are the the keepers of the ancient histories. And they're afraid that if anyone else gets these ancient histories, they are doomed to repeat them. But this particular group has said, "No, we will protect this knowledge so that it does not get destroyed, but we understand that it cannot be repeated." Okay, so they probably are the tribe that knows the most about all the other tribes because they presumably have people out amongst them. Yes. They have eyes and ears. Okay. So the people that vanish are probably likely... Hmm. So it's a scholarly group with a Mm, strong warrior side? Even better. So if we want to make this group slightly sinister, they take the people that, like... All the other tribes have sent people into the desert and be like, go look for something. 
those people do find the desert tribe and are either coerced or maybe even hypnotized or something, but are like, okay, you're not going to tell them about our existence, but now you report to us. You tell us everything and they send them back. If they agree, otherwise they die. Yeah. Okay. I can dig that. That's I like, I like having that air of just kind of cutthroat. Um, this kind of strikes me as like the Brotherhood of Steel from the Fallout series. I like it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so they're the secret keepers. Uh, what'd you call them? I'm sorry. I just, the secret keepers. That was what I called them. Okay. That's what they um, called themselves or in my head. That's what I said. Yeah. We need to find a different name for that. Maybe like a, a, a word for that. Maybe in some language, but. Okay, so um, they keep secrets. So, do they have like an ancient temple, or the Hemiarum? I'm sorry, the what? They call themselves the Hemiarum. Can you spell that for me? H i m i a r u m Hemiarum. Okay. Uh, it is a, a bastardization of uh, Himitsu, which in Japanese means secret. So they're. They're the type that they have studied enough history that if they see, like, one tribe getting a little too strong, they yep. go in and remove They take the them out. Yeah. The, well, they, they go and remove the that balance. Leader. Yeah. They, they, they believe that they are the reason that there is still balance and there is no war is because of this, quote-unquote, secret tribe. Yes. Okay. Um, do they have, like, a temple structure? And that's time that's for it. this episode. You can find Alan at Alan underscore cells on Twitter. You can find Matt at Matt Hoodley on Twitter. You can reach the show at forging underscore worlds or by emailing us forging worlds at fifthdraw.com. This show and the rest of the fifth draw family of shows can be found at fifthdraw.com. Forging Worlds is presented under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share alike 4.0 international license. For more information, please visit creativecommons.org. 